Now this morning I'm going to I'm going to be reading several areas of scripture with you this morning. So what I would suggest that you may want to do is uh, rather than try to find these different passages as we proceed, unless you're very quick at finding them, is just to write them down. Write them down because I'm going to read various portions of scripture this morning uh, with you. What we want to share about this morning is to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit and to share together the ministry of the Holy Spirit in terms of the coming of Messiah, the birth of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is the executor of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit manifests the, the Godhead. Uh, the word spirit is often referred to or understood in English as, as wind or breeze. And I like especially the word breath. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the breath of God. When the wind moves, you can see the result of the wind. The wind has the ability to, to create change on the face of the earth. The Holy Spirit manifests the works of God. He manifests the Word of God. And He manifests the Son of God. And so this morning I want to share with you about the person of the Holy Spirit especially as it refers to the coming of Messiah, the birth of Jesus. Now, the Holy Spirit is still here. The Holy Spirit is with us today. So even though this morning we'll talk about the Holy Spirit in terms of history, as we share about the Holy Spirit and His historical work and ministry, it's important for us to understand as we proceed through that the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is with us. And his work is the same today as it has always been. So I want to begin with you this morning with, again, the idea of the Holy Spirit as being the executor of the Godhead. When someone dies, we're familiar with the term executor. Someone will be appointed as an executor of their will. And the executor is charged with carrying out the, um, the statements and the, and the, uh, the terms of the will of the person who is deceased. The Holy Spirit, of course, is responsible for executing God's will on the, on the earth and the plan of Christ and His provision. So I want to begin in Genesis chapter 1. And it's, uh, I'm going to, as, I, as I said earlier, I'm going to go kind of quickly from place to place. So I begin in Genesis chapter 1, the Holy Spirit's role in creation. It says... Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the, the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Sometimes you'll read that and you'll say the Holy Spirit was brooding over the face of the waters. So the role of the Holy Spirit right at the very beginning in terms of creation. The Holy Spirit is brooding or hovering over the face of the waters. There's formlessness and emptiness and the Holy Spirit is presiding or hovering or brooding over the face of the waters. Then you remember in Genesis it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. But the Holy Spirit is the one who, ex- who executes these things. And so He's present at the very beginning. The role of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, in terms of the Bible, Holy Scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. It says, Because no prophecy ever came by the will of man, 
Instead, men spoke from God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so in the pages of Holy Scripture, all 66 books of Old and New Testament, as we have stated many times in the past, God's message is given in these pages and in these books. And a human being did not decide one day that he was just going to write and author these words. But the human being, these men were moved upon by God's Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit executing God's Word, executing His will on the earth. So as the Holy Spirit moves upon the hearts or the spirit of human beings, they are enabled to write. And what they write is uniquely God's Word in the most wonderful way. Peter, again, no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah, just an example of the way the Holy Spirit moved in the lives of the prophets. Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9. Jeremiah had been called, and sometimes we think of the prophets as being very old men with great big long beards and so on. I'm sure they had beards, but not necessarily were the old men. In, uh, I would say very young men. <laughs> From my perspective, looking, looking at their ages, very likely young men. And Jeremiah was called to prophesy, and as he began to prophesy to a, uh, a rebellious nation, he found that uh, he was vilified for what he was saying. And he was speaking God's word faithfully. He came to a place in his life where he basically in his own humanity said, I don't want to say these things anymore. I don't want to say these things. They're rejected uh, at every turn. Listen to these words from Jeremiah. If I say, I won't mention him or speak any longer in his name, his message becomes a fire burning in my heart, shut up in my bones. I become tired of holding it in. I cannot prevail. I cannot hold it in because God's Word by His Spirit within me is so profound, I cannot contain it. I can't hold it in. I cannot remain silent. Therefore, I must speak it forth. This is Jeremiah's testimony. This is the way Holy Scripture came to us. I love it. It's profound. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. Then as we proceed through, we come to Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. And we discover in the prophecy of Malachi, before the Messiah would come, there would be a forerunner. Someone would precede him as a forerunner to prepare the way. And we find these words in chapter 3 and verse 1. See, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. Did you notice the personal pronouns here? I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. These are profound things. Then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to His temple, the messenger of the covenant you desire. See, He is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And so the prophecy was that there would be a forerunner, one to prepare the way. Now, if I asked you who the forerunner was, you would know immediately that His name is John the Baptist. John the Baptizer. John the Immerser. Now, again, the Holy Spirit and His work so wonderful. And there came a time when Zacharias 
went into the temple according to his normal duties as priest. And the angel of the Lord came and began to speak to him with regard to the fact that his wife would have a son. Do you remember the name of the angel was Gabriel? He identified himself. He said, my name is Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God. A wonderful thing. But these were the words of the angel to John's father, John the Baptist's father. He said, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. I'm reading this morning from Holman's Christian Standard Bible. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. This is John, the last prophet of the Old Testament. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from or while in his mother's womb. Now I want to advance about, I would say, approximately seven months in time. And the same angel who has spoken to Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, appears to a young woman up in Galilee and her name is Mary. And he tells Mary that she will be the mother of the Messiah, basically, and she then begins to inquire as to how that could possibly occur since she is not yet married. She is betrothed and not yet married. And she knows that that's not possible. So she's just basically asking the question of the angel, how can this occur? since I'm yet unmarried. And the angel replied to her and gave her a wonderful answer in terms of how this would occur, how, she'd, how, how she, she could become uh, pregnant with the Messiah. And he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Notice the ministry of the Holy Spirit again. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you in a wonderful way. And as the Holy Spirit come upon you, comes upon you in a wonderful way, the seed of God will be implanted within your womb, and you will become the mother of the Messiah. This is no human event. This is entirely miraculous event effected by God's word. Mary immediately upon hearing this from the angel Gabriel again, she says, be it unto me according to what you have said. And so she receives the word of God with regard to this. I've always thought as I have read this passage of scripture and wondered at it, and I say wondered at it because there's a lot of wondering that we do as we read the pages of scripture. I just want to maybe share this with you. Very important when we come to the Holy Scriptures that we come to the Word of God with um, a humble heart, a humble attitude. In the same way that the Word of God was not a product of human design and human beings could not, did not engineer it, it's also not possible for human beings on their own to completely understand the Word of God. We cannot absorb, apprehend, receive God's Word and the ideas contained in it without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
so I had always thought that, that when Mary said, Be it unto me according to your word, that at that moment that she became um, impregnated, if you like, with the promise of God. And yet, as I wonder about these about these things, I have um, changed some of my thinking on it. And I want to share something with you that has caused me to change my thinking on it. Again, it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. After hearing this word from the angel, uh, the angel also referred to and told Mary that uh, her cousin, or near relative Elizabeth, was pregnant in her sixth month, the mother of John the Baptist. Without hesitation and without waiting, Mary immediately went to the hill country south of Jerusalem to the to the town where the priest lived and she visited Elizabeth Zacharias' wife who was in her sixth month when Mary came to Elizabeth's home I want to read in Luke chapter 1 verse 41 and when Mary began to greet Elizabeth it says when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting the baby leaped inside her. This is John the Baptist, about six months along, yet unborn, of course. And when Elizabeth spoke and greeted, at least when Mary greeted Elizabeth, the baby, John the Baptist, not yet called John, but the baby leaped in her womb. And we know the baby leaped for joy as we read subsequently, he leaped for joy. The immediate result of this was, was Elizabeth became filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth, the mother, became filled with the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy. And immediately Mary became filled with the Holy Spirit, with a powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. And she began to prophesy and spoke the most wonderful prophecy. I believe that this was the moment that fulfilled the message of the angel Gabriel to Mary. I'm going to ask one day to be sure, but I'll just share with you humbly and reverently the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want to share with you briefly about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in bringing forth the Word. Bringing forth the Word of God because we know that the Word of God, the Word personified of Jesus, this is the written Word I hold in my hands, the written Word of God. Jesus is the Word made flesh. In Jesus we find uh, the humanity, Jesus of Nazareth, the man, Jesus is humanity, but we also find Jesus who is God. In Colossians we read that it says that in Him dwelt or dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And the idea of bodily is substantially, really, genuinely, in reality. Not just in type or in metaphor, but in reality. It dwells within Him, Jesus of Nazareth, the fullness of the Godhead. Try to wrap your mind around these words. You cannot completely absorb them or wrap your mind around them. But you can honor them and you can worship God in the presence of these great truths. Did you find his humanity, as we've heard so many times, he became hungry and thirsty and so on. 
and as he was a little baby, his mother treated him and worked with him the same way Jessica works with Rosie, you know, looks after every need. Mary looked after Jesus every need. I want to share with you, I believe, to be a type from Psalm 22. Psalm 22, we find as it begins, a psalm of David. And in this psalm of David, great prophet, as a king, of course, he's a type of Christ. And David, in, as we, he begins this uh, Psalm 22, we find, for example, in verses 2, 3, and 4, My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer by night, yet I have no rest. But you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you rescued them. David oftentimes would write from a place of being um, uh, almost an oppression, a despondency almost, trouble. But he would cry out and reach out to God from this place. And God would hear and God would answer him. Oftentimes in the Psalms, you'll find the humanity of the author reflected in the words. And I believe in those three verses I've just read to you is reflected some of what David is processing and experiencing as he writes the psalm. But what happens now is the Holy Spirit comes and begins to minister to David as he writes. And then we find in just a few verses, and sometimes you'll see a mark of humanity in a verse, and in the same verse you'll see the evidence of divinity. Because in the same psalm, now I'm reading verses 16 through 18, it says, For dogs have surrounded me, a gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Never happened to David. Not writing about himself now at all. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves, and they cast lots for my clothing. I humbly submit to you this morning that in the written word of God you'll find both evidence of humanity and divinity. But in the Word made flesh, you see humanity and you see divinity. This occurs in the written Word because it is a type, an illustration of the Word Himself. Ministry of the Holy Spirit. At the age of 12, Jesus went to Jerusalem with His parents, with His mother and Joseph. When they left Jerusalem, they couldn't find Jesus. And they went back and they began to search for him and search for three days. And I just want to read this passage from Luke chapter 2 and verses 46 and 47. It says, After three days they found him in the temple complex, sitting among the teachers. He's 12 years old. He's sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. All those who heard him were astonished at his understanding and astonished at his answers. The scripture tells us very clearly that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon Jesus without measure. In the context that believers have a portion or an unction of the Holy Spirit upon their lives, in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, was present in his life without measure. Even at the age of 12 years old, 
think of it now, the Word made flesh, the Word of God in human form, and the kind of questions he would ask to the leaders of the Jews in Israel and Jerusalem. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit again. Then as we proceed through the Scriptures, we come to Luke's, cha- Luke's uh, Gospel, chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. And this is the baptism of Jesus. And Luke renders it this way. When all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And as He was praying, heaven opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on Him in a physical appearance like a dove. Remember, it says, like a dove. This is simile, like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, I take delight in you. And at the baptism by John, Jesus baptized in water, as He came up from the water, the Holy Spirit came upon Him, it says, as a dove, in bodily form. John records that he saw this happen himself. The other writers of the Gospels indicated that Jesus saw this happen himself. Now, I have a little video I want to show you, and this video is not a video of the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus. Okay, I'm not going to show you that because we don't have that. But the example that is given is like a dove. Holy Spirit in Scripture has has uh, chosen to give us this example to illustrate something in terms we can understand about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Also, the inference in Scripture is that the Holy Spirit didn't just come upon Jesus and then leave, but the Holy Spirit came and remained upon Him. And this is before His ministry began, the miraculous ministry. There is no question that although He is God in human form, He was reliant upon the ministry of the Holy Spirit in His ministry on earth. Jesus would often say, the works that I do, the Father does those works in me. And so He became reliant upon the ministry of the Holy Spirit for the works that He did. I have a little video I want to show you. Sherry will show it to us now. Slow motion of a duck coming and lighting. And the idea is that as the dove as the dove descends, uh, the dove spreads its wings in the most beautiful way and overspreads and settles down upon that which it lands on. That's the way a dove lands. But on that momentous day, the Holy Spirit came in bodily form and descended upon Jesus and remained upon Him. Now I'd like to continue through to the through the crucifixion of Messiah Jesus and after His resurrection, the ministry of the Holy Spirit involved in the resurrection of Jesus, most marvelous way, manifesting God's power. But I want to go into the book of Acts to the 10th chapter, about verse 39. I'm going to read through to the end of verse 46. And I want to share with you that now Peter, after having had a vision in which he is uh, taught 
not to call what God has cleansed unclean. If God has hallowed something, God is saying to Peter, whatever you do, Peter, do not call something I have cleaned, do not call it unclean. And God is preparing in a vision Peter to minister to the Gentiles, something he would normally not be inclined to do. Now Peter has become convinced that God has taught him this, and so he, he proceeds and goes with the two men who have come from Cornelius's home. And he goes to Cornelius, who is a Roman soldier, and he goes to his home, a Gentile. Gentile home. He never would do this, normally, being a Jew. But the ministry of the Holy Spirit again, one who attended all the way through, from creation all the way through, ministry of Messiah, attended at his birth. These are the words of Peter. We ourselves are witnesses of everything he did, both in the Judean country and in Jerusalem. Yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. God raised up this man on the third day and permitted him to be seen, not by all the people, but by us, witnesses appointed beforehand by God who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Who ate and drank with him, ate and drank with Jesus after Jesus rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to solemnly testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, these are the Jewish believers, the circumcised believers, the Jewish believers who had come with Peter were were astounded because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. They never would have thought this could ever happen with the Gentiles. It had happened to them. The Holy Spirit had been poured out upon them at Pentecost. To think that this could happen to the Gentiles was something they could not absorb, not conceive of. But it did. The Holy Spirit descended on those individuals in Cornelius' home in the same way he had descended at Pentecost on the 120 in the upper room. And the evidence he gave them was this. It says, For they heard them speaking in other languages and declaring the greatness of God. I'm going to share this with you. I remember at a convention a number of years ago, I remember a lady speaking with a man she was having difficulty with something that man had said. And the man had been talking about the gift of tongues or gift of languages. And she could not receive that. She didn't like that. She didn't believe in that. And she didn't want... She said to him, Why tongues? She said, Why tongues? It was in the hallway after a meeting had concluded. The man who had been speaking, he decided that there wasn't anything he could say they would convince her other than what she already believed, so he just kept walking. And she was after him, following him a little bit. Why tongues? 
White out maybe about three times. It's a good question. Why? I like languages better. To me, it makes more sense than just tongues. Conjures up all kinds of, I don't know what, tongues. It means languages. It doesn't mean babble. It doesn't mean somebody making up something that sounds... Human beings can do that. And human beings can be entirely wrong in doing that and bring great discredit upon the work of God. When the scripture says that no flesh will glory in His presence, it doesn't just mean that we cannot enter the presence of God in a human body. It means more than that. It means that the flesh, the carnal man, cannot invade or cannot approach the things of God. So I want to answer that question this morning, why tongues? And the answer of why tongues, why they spoke in other languages, is this. The answer is because this demonstrated that the words that they spoke and the message that they delivered did not originate with them. Impossible for it to originate with them. But it came through them. This is New Testament Christianity where the Word of God and the ministry of God's Spirit ministers through the believer does not originate with the believer. This is why God chose to manifest Himself allowing them to speak and and say the wonderful things of God, talk about Jesus, who He was, His birth and resurrection in languages they had never learned. Not in Babel, but in languages they had never learned. That's why tongues. That's why languages. I want to close the wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit. It should be said that we're living in a very dark time in terms of society. It is not a secret to say that. We're living in a very dark time. But this is not a dark time for the Word of God. This is not a dark time for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This can be a time... You ever notice that the, the, the dimmest of light becomes the brightest in the darkest of rooms? So I didn't know that light was there until it became dark enough. And then it shines brightly. We have a little thing that has revolving pictures on it. Digital picture frame, I think it's called. And that's hanging on a wall. Most of the day, I don't even notice it's there unless I look at it. But if we come down in the middle of the night when everything is dark and that little digital picture frame lights the way for us. So we're living in a dark time. But the Holy Spirit, His ministry is not completed. His work is not completed. And He is still with us. And I want to read now from John, Jesus' words. Chapter 14. If you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. How long, Lord? Forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable. I was saying to myself, 
asking the question, why is this great news that we're celebrating at this time of year, the coming of Messiah, recognizing who he really is? Why does this not lead the news every night? This is the most exciting news in the world. This is just absolutely wonderful. And the answer is because the world cannot receive this. Jesus said the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do we know him? He said, but you do know him because, this is how you know him, because he remains with you and he will be in you in a unique way. Subsequent to Pentecost, he will be in you in a unique way. Then in Acts chapter 1, while he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for the Father's promise. You see the Father's promise in Joel. Wait for the Father's promise. I have marveled at this often and I continue to marvel at this. If any individuals were qualified, these 11 disciples of Jesus were uniquely qualified to go into all parts of the world and proclaim their experiences with Jesus. They had been present when he walked on the Sea of Galilee. They had been present in all those marvelous miracles. They had been present at the crucifixion. They had witnessed the resurrection. They had actually sat with him subsequent to the resurrection and they had consumed fish, bread, food, and drink. He had walked with them and talked with them for a period of 40 days one of those days it tells us in the scriptures that he came to them and he said it says he breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit but they weren't ready to do this great commission yet he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for the father's promise this he said is what you heard from me I've told you about this promise John baptized with water or he baptized in water but you will be baptized in I like the preposition in better than with I think it describes what baptism is better you can be baptized with water as long as you get immersed in it but just to be sprinkled with it a little bit is not baptism John baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It was about ten days later. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is wonderful all throughout the Scriptures, especially as it pertains to the coming of Messiah. I want to close, though, with this. I simply want to give you two words. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. You see, there are many spirits in the world. There are fallen angels. There are demon spirits. There are angels of God. There are different hierarchies among the angelic hosts, both good and evil. Different levels of administrative power and authority. We live in a spiritual world. 
But we're not talking about just any spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit who is God. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. To enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit means that there must be a degree of holiness. And by holiness, I do not mean absolute perfection that might be impossible to us as human beings. I mean separation, dedication unto the Lord, being reserved unto the Lord. In order for the Holy Spirit to fellowship and commune with us, as we long for Him to do inside, if you're a believer, you long for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You know that you cannot do the work God has placed upon your heart without Him. You know that your best plans that you and I have as human beings are subject to frailty. You desire the fellowship of the Holy Spirit because the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is the fellowship of Jesus. So it is. No difference. It's the same. There needs to be holiness and purity in our hearts. Otherwise, we would grieve the Holy Spirit. And if we would grieve the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would leave us in terms, not to abandon us, but leave us in terms of the revelation or the manifestation of the wonderful things of God that can only come by way of intimacy and fellowship and communion because He's holy. We need to separate ourselves from the world in terms of the spirit of the world and the things of the world. We need to separate ourselves in our hearts from those things. And if we do not, we will never experience that level of fellowship with the Holy Spirit that is required to minister in this world, especially in this dark world. We're getting closer and closer to finality here in terms of this age. If there's anything left that the Lord has placed upon your heart to do, now's the time to do it. But we have to be ready to do it and equipped to do it. I ask the Lord that He would bless you, guard your hearts, and lead you to a separated life. That He would create within you a desire and a hunger for Himself. And only fellowship with God, the Holy Spirit, can satisfy. When He comes in that level of fellowship, as you go in your devotions and as you read God's written Word, the Holy Spirit who offered this in the very beginning will just take the truth from the pages and illuminate it to your spirit and you will understand the rich and deep things of God that you've never seen before. May the Lord bless you. And as you celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus, we know we don't believe He was born on December 25th. I'm not going to get into that. We remember His birthday this time of year in a special way. But may He bless your homes and bless you in a very special way.